Anyway, all these computers and digital gadgets are no good. They just fill your head with numbers, and that can't be good for you. A good decision is based on knowledge and not on numbers. Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast. This is Antonio, and welcome to episode 114 for the end of January 2020. And that means it's the first end of the first month of a new decade. And boy, do I feel old. <laughs> I don't know about the rest of you. Yeah, the 20s. Wow. All right. Well, you know, hey, it's just, it just doesn't really mean anything. It's just a, it's just a number. It's just a, It's just a number, right? It doesn't mean anything. Anyway, I uh, hope you guys are doing well. Thanks for joining me. Actually, you know what? I wanted to I wanted to say this, uh, and um, I just want to say, you know, I I get a lot of uh, I'm getting a lot of downloads these days. Uh, not a great amount. It's not a huge podcast, but you know, I'm like I'm looking at those numbers and I'm realizing that there is like you know hundreds of you uh, downloading and listening to the show. And as you know, it's as if I'm standing in, in, you know, an auditorium and there's hundreds of people who are kind of listening to me. And I just wanted to say, I really, really, really appreciate, uh, you guys sticking with me and, and listening to my show and, and, uh, just hearing what I have to say. And, uh, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing this for anything right now. I'm not doing it for money, a little recognition. I'd be, you know, I'd be kind of lying if I didn't say I want my name recognized a little bit, but not really to feed any ego. It's just, I really like doing this and I like sharing information. You know, I told you, you know, this, I like teaching, uh, and it's just a lot of fun. And I realized that, you know, you, you know, you don't have to be listening to me. You can be listening to somebody else or, or using your time in some other way. So I just wanted to throw a shout out to all you listeners and uh, people who subscribe and have recommended me to other people. Uh, big thanks uh, to all of you. I really, really appreciate it. And it's a, it's a heartfelt thanks. And uh, I hope you keep listening and, and telling more people about the show because uh, that is the way I really want to, to grow and, and share information. So uh, thanks again. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I'm getting all weepy. No, I don't mean to knock it down. I uh, I do mean that. So anyway, welcome to uh, this episode for the end of January. And, uh, I, I wanted to sort of, well, I'll just go into it. I wanted to talk about, uh, numbers, numbers in photography. And I'm going to go a little bit of a story and, uh, work my way into it. But last week, last week and this week, I was teaching an intro to digital photography class. Um, it was a class that's a six hour class. Uh, all together, broken up into two sessions. Uh, shot. Uh, sorry, I was doing it last Wednesday, and I did it this Wednesday. And the first session uh, was about three hours. Uh, in that three hours, I had to give the students, uh, there was only two in this class, which was a little bummed out, but it was kind of out in the boondocks here in Brooklyn, so I'm not surprised. But I, sometimes I like small classes. Actually, as a side note, I had a class between these two for my street photography class, and it was on a rainy Saturday and I got 
Usually I can only sign up eight people because only eight people fit in this room and nine people showed up. It was the largest class I ever had in street photography and I was so excited. And so going back to this intro digital photography, it wasn't, I was a little disappointed there was only two students, but it's great because then they get all my full, you know, attention and, and uh, we can go through things quickly and I can spend some time like looking at their cameras and whatnot. But anyway, uh, I, the first part of this class is giving the uh, fundamentals of photography. Uh, so the that includes like camera basics, lens basics, exposure, depth of field, camera modes, white balance, you know, the whole the whole nine yards of the intro to kind of the camera and the mechanisms of photography it's a lot to have to fit in to three hours uh you know i've been learning photography for years i'm still learning it and to try to squeeze that into a three-hour class i mean it's not impossible but it's really just like a taster you know it's not a comprehensive digital photography class uh but the nice thing is that the place that hires me uh, the place called Brick, which I used to work at. Uh, I don't work there anymore as an employee, but I'm, I'm still hired there as a freelancer once in a while. And But I do do the teaching there, which is a lot of fun. The nice thing is that they hired me to, uh, or they tasked me to create a new updated curriculum for this digital uh, intro to digital photography class. And that's great because I, I get a chance to make new slides and new presentations and come up with um, a new way to present the information and in my own way, and uh, sending that information along to the person who uh, I'm working with uh, there to create this slideshow, I got a big uh, thumbs up about it. There's some tweaks I got to make to it, and I tend to overdo it with the slides a little bit with the animations, and not kind of cheesy animations, but just sort of illustrative animations to talk about things like, um, oh, I don't know, uh, the different camera modes or something like that. Uh, so I need to tweak that, but you know, nothing always works on the first try and it's great to get feedback from somebody. Uh, a fun side note to this was that, uh, I decided to, uh, grab all the pictures for the presentation, uh, from the website Unsplash and I didn't pay a dime for them. <laughs> I'm really happy about that because, uh, yeah, I know that I know that it's a site that's free anyway. And uh, one of the things about the sort of the requirements for the slideshow is, you know, getting pictures that don't we don't have to purchase because uh, it, it's just the, there's no real budget there. And so rather than going searching for Creative Commons pictures on the Internet, it's like I suggested to the guy who was uh, hiring me to do this. I said, why don't we just go to Unsplash and I'll just get all the pictures from there? And I said they're free and they fit within the, uh, you know, doing a slideshow for the uh, uh, for education. Uh, fits within the realm of uh, their terms of uh, their terms and conditions. So, yeah, uh, I'm happy to take free pictures from people who are willing to give them away, and so I'm happy to oblige. So anyway, I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, but anyway, back to the back to the class. Um, so during the class, uh, I started to explain some of the concepts of the process of making photos, like the shutter speed and the aperture, you know, the basic stuff. And as I'm talking to the students about this, I can see puzzlement beginning to sort of show itself on the students' faces. And I'm pretty sure I was being clear about what I was explaining and with these concepts. I mean, it's possible I wasn't, but I think I think I did a good job. And, you know, I, I've been doing this for a while, at least making photography. I don't teach it all the time, but I think I can explain it pretty well. Uh, but they were having a hard time understanding the concepts, especially, especially when I was talking about 
like the numbers, the shutter speed and, and, and aperture and stuff like that. And, you know, we had to go sort of look at their cameras and the screens and point out the numbers and each of them had different cameras. So the numbers were in different places, but the, the, it wasn't jiving for some reason. And, you know, during actually when the class was over and I was sort of puzzling about this, um, it was, it was, the class was okay. Uh, you know, I think I got through, I had to go over things a few times, but it occurred to me that, um, there are tons of numbers involved with photography. Uh, I mean, I, I was starting to put a list together and I was thinking, wow, there is so much, there's so much numbers. There's a lot of numbers involved. So let me, let me do this. I made a list of numbers. It's not a comprehensive list, but it's pretty, it's a thorough list, but it's not comprehensive. I'm sure I'm missing a lot of stuff. And, uh, actually, uh, my buddies, uh, Ward and Dave, who you've heard on this show, they helped me, uh, with some uh, of the, the numbers. I, I sort of pulled out a, pulled up, put out a call to friends to say, you got numbers in photography that you can, uh, come up with. So anyway, uh, indulge me because I'm going to go through this list. And like I said, it's not comprehensive, it's, but it, it's kind of a thorough list. So uh, numbers in photography. And th this is in no order. These, are just, these came up to me randomly in my mind. So there's shutter speed. There's aperture, ISO, uh, focal lengths, crop factors, filter sizes, hyperfocal distance, frames per second, megapixels, aspect ratio, color temperatures, guide numbers, Exposure, exposure compensation factors, resolution, depth of field range, sync speed, watts seconds, inverse square law, megabytes, gigahertz, amperage, dots per inch, pixels per inch, rule of thirds, golden ratio, likes, followers, refractive index, signal to noise ratio, milliamp hours, filter factor, Transmittance percentage, print size, production budget, budget, sunny 16 rule, 500 rule, intervalometer settings, developer temperature, and the list could go on. I mean, I it, sort of at the end there, I was just sort of mixing things up. I mean, there's a whole bunch of numbers related to processing film and and time lapse and and astrophotography and and on and on and on and on and. You know, if you've been a photographer for a while, you've you've come across a lot of these numbers. Maybe not all of them. You know, I, I mentioned something called watt seconds. You'll you'll see that in studio strobe lights, but it's you know it's something you need to know. And you know, growing up as I did in photography, like one of the things I only really needed to worry about <laughs> my numbers as I was doing photography were things like, you know, yeah, the shutter speed and the aperture, but things like ISO and guide numbers, maybe for a flash and print sizes. Yeah, I know I'm oversimplifying my uh, sort of numbers I had to deal with, but it was a lot, it was certainly a lot simpler when we were shooting film. They, the numbers were there, but it, it certainly wasn't such a, you know, an intense amount of numerology <laughs> involved with photography. But, um, uh, like, well, you know, I, I am not a numbers guy, frankly. I mean, I, math wasn't my, you know, best subject in school. I wasn't, it was okay with it. Actually, I did dig geometry a lot because I think it involved uh, 
you know, special relationships uh, and numbers and shapes and stuff like that. So that I, I was OK with that. And, you know, geom- there is geometry and photography as well, which I think I was I was pretty good at. But in general, numbers aren't my thing. Uh, I do have, you know, as a side note, I do have a number for me that's kind of hanging around my neck. Uh, and it's the what is it? The amount of images that I've tucked away in my Lightroom library, which as of January, just recently, January the 15th or something like that, I can't remember when I just updated my Lightroom library, has is, is exceeded 800,000. You know, that's a number, 800,000. And it's possible I've taken so many photos that I, I no longer can remember what they are, uh, much less I don't even have time to look at them. That's, so that's a number that for me is sort of... Uh, sort of following me around as my albatross around my anyway back to the back to the students so you know i can i can see in their faces that they really want to fully understand the numbers and mechanisms of of this chosen art you know photography the f numbers and the shutter speeds the focal lengths and um you know and and today the uh like i'm looking at their gear and the stuff that they're asked to work with, you know, is, is very complicated. My first camera was a Pentax spot. Well, I wouldn't say it was my first camera, my first 35 millimeter film camera, which is, I kind of consider my first camera for doing serious photography. You know, when I was whatever in junior high school was a Kodak, uh, sorry, not a Kodak, a Pentax Spotmatic. Not even a Pentax K1000. I think that came afterwards. This is a Pentax Spotmatic with a, you know, a screw-in lens. It didn't even, you know, I, I, I don't know what the, even, oh, there, <laughs> there's a number there. I know there's a number for, uh, for the uh, lens type that is a screw mount. But, um, yeah, you know, I didn't really, I, the, the device was not very complex at all. And today, you know, uh, photographers are, are, um, you know, they're, they're being asked to, to like the equivalent of driving. I like to say of, of, uh, driving or trying to drive, uh, you know, a $250,000 McLaren 600 LT, right? Uh, you're, you're looking at this really expensive car that goes really fast and you don't, you know, yeah, you know how to drive, but you don't know how to drive this thing. And it's incredibly complex, and I'm sure there's a lot of numbers involved with driving a McLaren, you know. Uh, and I granted, I wasn't for me, I wasn't dropped suddenly into this sea of technology from the sky, uh, you know, the way people are today. I mean, uh, my learning curve was gradual, right? I started off with this Pentax, and I went to school for photography, and I learned the numbers of photography over a over a very long period of time so my my learning curve is very low and uh people today are 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 getting these you know incredibly complex cameras uh and being asked in, in some cases well you know, here uh one of the students i had who, um in the class and if you're listening, I'm not mentioning your name, and I um, thank you, for, thank you for coming to the class. But I figure we use you as an example, uh, in a good way. But just like you know, um, I think a lot of people would resonate with this. Uh, the the student was given uh, a fairly new Canon DSLR. I think it was the uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. I think the 70D Mark II, if I'm correct. Uh, I don't know Canon cameras that well, so I'm not sure. I think that's one of the newest cameras out. 
Uh, also, I looked at this camera and just holding my hands. I mean, I know how to use Canon cameras, but I could barely figure this thing out. Uh, you know, I didn't have the manual or something like that, but it's just like looking at it, uh, I didn't know what to do. Uh, and then it was also complicated by the fact that it was in the wrong settings when we were trying to mess with it. So both of us were looking at this camera like, what's going on with this? Um, but anyway, just, uh, the student gets this camera from their employer uh, and, you know, if I got the story correctly, uh, asked to shoot things with this camera, like events and stuff like that. And I, I didn't see a flash in the pack either. The The student might have gotten a flash, but I didn't see a flash. Um, and the student is now in my intro uh, to digital photography class and expected, I guess, to learn as much as they can about how to use this modern camera and how to take good pictures with it. Uh, you know, but you got to learn the camera and learn to take good pictures with it, right? And this is in, you know, a six-hour class. Now, I don't know if the student was going to be taking other classes or, uh, you know, I don't know the situation, but it, it's certainly not maybe the best environment. You can get a taste of photography, but, like, again, I'm, you know, go back and go back to the car things. I'm teaching someone how to drive a Volkswagen Bug, right? You know, like the most basic vehicle you can get. And then they got to go back to work, like I said, in this McLaren and figure out how to drive it around a track very fast and very well and don't crash. Right. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck with that. And, you know, maybe I'm guessing that the employer bought this camera. It could have been based on a bunch of things. Like the camera salesperson said, this is the best camera you have to get. Uh, or an online review, you know, or some other photographer said, you got to get, you know, buy this camera for your employees or something like that. You know, maybe it was based on the specs or, you know, based on the numbers of the camera. Uh, not kind of the camera I would get a beginning photographer uh, to work with, especially, you know, if you're asking that person to do critical work. But yeah, based on numbers, perhaps. I'm just making that up. I have no idea what what drove them to get this camera. But you know, if you're if you're not a pro photographer, you haven't been doing this for a while. You know, you're you're being asked to sort of backwards engineer these modern cameras and figure things out. And behind that is, you know, numbers galore. Like that whole list I gave at the beginning, you know, barely touches the the you know the amount of stuff you have to learn. And and not only that, you have to learn all these numbers, and then you have to have to you know create compelling imagery. You know, so I really feel for for students who are trying to learn this for the first time, especially who are not going to, you know, a standard, uh, you know, kind of class, uh, gradual learning like I did. And I'm not saying that, you know, what I did was better or worse. The world has changed over time. And yeah, you know, nobody's got time to go and take a four year photography, you know, college and, and uh, or three years and. Uh, high school learning photography four years in college like I did. Uh, there are people who do that. You know, I'm not sure I would recommend it, but I think that all depends on what the person's planning to do with their photography. But these days, you know, you know, everybody's expected to, or not everybody, but you know what I mean? A lot of people in, in the media industry are expected to understand cameras and learn how to use them and, and create compelling pictures. That's a lot to ask. So, uh, and, you know, for going on the side here is really interesting comparing obviously these modern cameras these new cameras to something like a you know smartphone an iphone uh, or whatever uh, in which case a lot of the uh, numbers are kind of taken away they're like hidden 
in the background. You can find them, right? You can uh, you can know what the focal length of your you know iPhone lenses are and the apertures of them and you know what the ISOs get set to. I mean, all that stuff is available. But generally, when you take when you take your iPhone or smartphone up into your you know in your hands and and you point it at something, there's generally no numbers on the screen whatsoever. Uh, to, to have to deal with. You basically are you're literally just pointing and shooting and you're often getting pretty decent results, you know. I was curious like why, you know, a company might give someone a really, really complex camera when you can just give them an you know, a smartphone and say you can do really good photography with this and you don't have to worry about that. Just learn how to how to create the image rather than all the you know, all the behind the scenes stuff, you know. If you're shooting with an iPhone, you don't really need to learn about apertures and and ISOs. You just take the picture, you know. Uh, I, I'm over again. It's another oversimplification. You're not always going to take a great shot with an iPhone, and of course, you need to know a lot more about photography than just pointing the camera in the direction that you want to take the shot. And you're going to create something great. Uh, you know, you, if you know you're like in a, in the sense with smartphones, if you know the limitations of it you can actually do really good work but you need to you need to learn those limitations because otherwise you, you're just going to fall into the uh why is it doing this and why are the pictures blurry and i don't know how to hold it you know so you still need to learn some stuff um but oh you know the other thing that's really funny in the iphone for those of you who have iphone uh when you go to process uh say the portrait images in the portrait um photos that are taken with the two lenses that create the uh depth map so that you get this um sort of simulated it's uh, simulated depth of uh, field or out of focus background you know so if you're shooting a person you can uh, blur the background um so you know you can on an iphone you can re-edit those images uh so you can actually change the amount of out of focusness in the of the background uh, and they give you a little slider. But what's really funny is that slider has got numbers that are related to apertures. You know, so it's got 2.8, 5.6, 8, 11, you know, uh, 16, 22. As if those numbers have any meaning whatsoever to someone who's sliding the slider back and forth to change the outer focus. And those numbers have no meaning, you know. And there's no relationship, there's no explanation to those numbers on the iPhone. So it really kind of strikes me funny that... Apple uh, decided, well, let's put those numbers there to, you know, simulate aperture numbers. But no, who cares? You know, they just, just have a slider, you know, less focus background, more focus background. But, uh, you know, anyway, it was something I noticed and uh, it was it's just funny to see. And you probably you probably already noticed them already. So the the question is, you know, I bring this up uh, and I'm not sure I got an answer for this, but the question is, so how do we pull back? from all these numbers, right? There's just so many numbers involved in photography. Um, yeah, we need them in order to create what we create, but you know, do we, I don't know. Uh, like, like perhaps and it might be not a great analogy, but like a mechanic, I, this is interesting. I'm using all these car, <laughs> car analogies, uh, actually, cause I just watched, sorry, this is me going off subject here a little bit. I just watched that movie Ford V Ferrari which I thought was a really, really excellent movie. Um, and it uh, it's just, it's been on my mind lately because it was a really good Hollywood movie, like a good old style movie. And the racing and the story, it was, uh, 
Uh, and were there numbers involved with that? <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, so, but like a mechanic, you know, we do need to grab, as photographers, we need to grab the right tool, you know, uh, to, with the, like the right diam- diameter to fit uh, this thing that we want to fix. Or, or let's say we want to create. We do need to grab the wide angle lens to take the large, you know, group shot or the, or the, you know, landscape picture we need the macro lens to do this we need these tools you know um but you know uh but unlike a mechanic right we do have the kind of uh, you know like a well you know i mean a mechanic needs to use the right tool for the right you know the right wrench for the right nut you know or something like that that you can't use you know you won't be able to unscrew it if you have the right wrong thing but uh for us sometimes i think we can say it doesn't always really matter that we need the right tools uh, for, you know, um, we can kind of make it up, right? And that's kind of the joy of photography is sometimes just like, you know, going out and saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, uh, you know, I'm putting on this lens. I don't know why. And I'm going to see what happens, you know? Um, but, you know, sometimes I think the numbers in general are are like a siren song. You know, they they draw us in with all sorts of promises and n- numbers mean better, faster, more, you know, and we get we get kind of sucked into that. You know, you go to look at, you know, any of the photography websites and they're showing new gear and the camera manufacturers coming out with more megapixels. I mean, you've heard this before. I'm saying it, you know, ad nauseum here. Uh, it's more, 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 you know, and we can't avoid those. You know, it's part of what we do. Our, our art requires us to be a very equipment savvy. You know, we're not the only art that has that, you know, filmmaking. I mean, you can go across the board. There's all these different arts, but like, you know, if you compare us to painters, for instance, just like a painter requires perhaps, uh, you know, a canvas, a stretched canvas, right? And uh, gesso for the background and, you know, oils or acrylics, you know, whatever brand those are. Maybe there's no real numbers involved with those. And, you know, a certain kind of brush, which there are numbers involved with brushes, as I, as I recall. But very simple, you know, not a lot of stuff needed there to, uh, you know, create something beautiful or whatever you want to express yourself with on a canvas. Uh, so very little tools involved. You know, photography does require uh, a pretty tech-savvy kind of, you know, uh, not person, but this is what we do. We Yes, we deal with hardware that's expensive, lots of numbers involved with lots of engineering, uh, and we use those things to, uh, to create. And, um, you know, num- the numbers in this, in, in our field help us, right? They do. Uh, they're not bad. I, I'm never trying to say that the, the, you know, all the numbers involved in photography, is anything, there's anything wrong with it. In fact, you know, we couldn't do what we wanted to do if we didn't have them, right? We, we, we need this stuff. Uh, we need them to create our art. You know, like I said, photography isn't the only thing that's driven by numbers. Actually, what popped in my mind when I was thinking about this, the Parthenon, right? Um, I don't know how many of you have visited that building or have read about it. I've been there a few times. I haven't been there recently in a long time. (laughs) But 
in essence, it's been, I know it's not restored, but I know they've put a lot of it back together again since I've been there. But, you know, obviously, uh, the, well, not obviously, but the ancient Greeks built that, you know, well, obviously architecture is something that works with numbers. And so the Parthenon was built on numbers. And when you read about the Parthenon and the ratios that are involved with it, the, the, the whole building is seated with numbers and the entire structure. And, but what we're left with as viewers, you know, we don't see the numbers in the building. You know, we see the beauty of it. We're looking at it, you know, and we're appreciating the people who made it and the amount of work they did. But ultimately we're left with this thing that's beautiful. And, uh, you know, that, well, that's my opinion. I think it's actually a beautiful structure, but you can't not look at it and think of it uh, being impressed by it, uh, you know, considering when it was made. And the numbers fall away, and all we're left with is a building that, you know, pleases our senses, a structure that pleases our senses. So, uh, but anyway, I, you know, th this came up a little bit also in a mix uh, with, you know, my students trying to figure out what I'm talking about. And I'm also at, at this right now in the morning, I'm reading a book that my, um, my wife gave me for hmm, my birthday, I think. Uh, let me just dig up the title here. It's a book on Gary Winogrand. And the book is called The Street Philosophy of Gary Winogrand by Jeff Dyer, D-Y-E-R. And I've been reading it at breakfast. Uh, and it's basically... Uh, these uh, essays that are written next to Gary Winogrand's work by by Mr. Dyer, and I'm I'm really enjoying it, right? Um, and I bring that up because as I'm reading the book, and, and I was thinking about this topic, I wanted to sort of dive into a little bit, is that there really aren't any numbers in that book uh, so far. I'm not all the, I haven't finished it. I'm like a third of the way through it. Um, and I don't suspect there's going to be a lot of numbers in the book uh, unless it has something to do with describing uh, something in, in the photo, some, you know, maybe there are numbers in the photos or a lot of things or something like that. But I, there's, you know, it's not a technical book, right? It's a book on, uh, on you know, an essays written on how someone is viewing Winogrand's work. And I really haven't, you know, uh, one of the things I want to do, on, if Ward, you're listening to, I'm going to peg you for this, is, you know, obviously I want to do a dive into uh, Winogrand's work uh, between you and me, and that will be kind of fun. Uh, I, I re, you know, Winogrand is sort of a new, um, it's not new. I knew of his work for a long time, but I really haven't spent time with his work until recently. So anyway, um, but anyway, going back to this, it, you know, it's it's a wonderful relief when I'm looking at this, reading this book, is to not be concerned with, you know, uh, the how an image is made. You know, I, I think of the numbers is helps you learn how an image is made. You know, metadata tells you what's what created the photo. Uh, people write all sorts of things about how the picture is made and use all the numbers that helped create it. This book has none of that in it. Uh, but it does have the parts of, uh, it does have the why maybe, uh, a little bit, you know, there's a, there's a little diving into why Winogrand made these pictures and it does go into a lot of how it makes us feel. How does it make the writer feel? How does it make me feel? So 
the, you know, it's kind of a right brain, left brain thing. You know, the numbers are missing from this. And so, uh, what is it? What is the right brain? I'm always, I'm always getting these confused. Uh, the right brain is more for creativity and the left brain is for numbers. Uh, you know, it's kind of an over, again, an oversimplification, but, uh, you know, I don't really have to think too much about this. I can sit there and enjoy the work on its own and not think about how, uh, how the picture was made. So, you know, I don't really know if there's any real response to this. It was just something I noticed, you know, it was like, let's notice that there are numbers involved with what we do and maybe think about not obsessing about the numbers too much. I know there's a real, like I said, it was a siren song to be, and I, I get sucked into this too, but you know, very easily uh, a new camera comes out oh, it's got two extra megapixels. And I mean, I don't know why I'm thinking, I mean, there are practical things to it. You know, I can crop into a little bit more or something like that. But you know, my not obsessing about the numbers is, I realize that I've actually started to care less about this. I think this is why I've kind of moved to, I don't know, like maybe processing my images less on a computer and doing it more on my mobile device. Now, there's obviously numbers involved with this. And, and you know, I don't want to take this too literally because it's, you know, I'm going to all go kind of crazy. But, you know, I've sort of cared less about my computers lately with megahertz and all that kind of stuff. And like, I just want to get the work done. Yes, I do need a computer of a certain speed to do the kind of work I do. And it does require me to sort of, you know, actually in the, in the, I'm saying in the market for it, but I am starting to research. I got to replace my 2009 uh, Mac pro. It, it's getting all funky now. I can't believe this huge box here. Beautiful. I like the cheese grater box. This thing is slow. I mean, it's actually slow uh, and it's not working so well these days. And so I, I need to soon replace it. Actually, this I'm recording on my on a, a MacBook Pro uh, 2013 model. Uh, there's the numbers. <laughs> See, look how easy it is to go to slip into that. Um, but yeah, the uh, the Mac Pro I need to replace with, and I'm looking at you know maybe a, a Mac Mini or something. So, I mean, I just know that newer computers are, are going to be faster than this. They may not be you know uh, a perfect match for uh, replacing my Mac Pro, but anything at this point, anything is going to make it better. So yeah, I got to compare the numbers. I need you know I figure well there's a price point I can reach and. Yeah, will will this last me a certain time and will I be able to edit 4K video and work on, you know, Photoshop and stuff like that with large files. So yeah, I got to be concerned about some of those numbers, but I'm really 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 like, you know, I put that I I uh, turn that obsession on, not obsession, but turn on that need for a little while and then, you know, turn it off so I can just get back to creating. Um, and, and taking, taking photos and making photos and, and not, I just, I find myself less and less worried about those numbers. And I used to be much more into the numbers of things, you know, I really liked it. I mean, I, I geek out and there's probably a lot of you who do the same thing and nothing wrong with it. I, I'm not, I have no judgments about it whatsoever. And there's actually a part of me that kind of wishes I could go back into really geeking out about it, but I don't know, just like, uh, I was going to say, I used to like sports uh, and I, I wasn't a big sports person myself, like doing sports, 
But, you know, I like basketball. I like football. But I wasn't like I'm really obsessed by it. But I, I, fine. I went to games, baseball games uh, particularly. And then just over time, I lost interest in them. And I don't dislike them. In fact, I'm gonna, I think we're going to watch the Super Bowl on sun, it's the Sunday because uh, we want to eat wings. Because <laughs> we want to have a, my wife and I want to have a Super Bowl party, just the two of us watching the Super Bowl for no other reason other than just the, you know, it's probably, some of you are probably just screeching with horror. Like, we're just watching the Super Bowl because we want to watch the Super Bowl and eat wings. And, like, I really don't care about the teams involved. I mean, I'm not, you know, and I don't mean caring, like, like, I don't care. I mean, like, it's great to see people of uh, uh, skills doing these things. You know, I think the games are great. I just don't care which team wins. You know, maybe during the game I'll pick one team just so I can have someone to root for and get energies for it. But, like, over time I lost this this really, this really interest in sports, which I think is a shame in some way because sports is such a great way to connect with people, you know, on all sorts of levels. Um, so... In, in that way, I, the same thing was the for me with, like, my computers, my cameras, like, losing the, not as much as sports, but, like, just beginning to not have the interest as much as with all the stuff that I thought I used to geek out about. And, uh, and there's a lot of those numbers. I read you that list before, and a lot of those were very interesting to me. Now they're less so. And, like I said, they only kick in when I need to really uh, worry about them. I have to deal with, you know, print sizes oh oh sorry and just as i'm thinking about this so i'm actually kind of done with the numbers thing so if anybody has any thoughts about numbers you know i'd like to hear it drop me a line or or reach out to me and 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 chat about this some more i mean i don't you know i i I like the idea of not obsessing about these things and and or finding a let's say let's put it this way finding a balance between uh you know, the, the love and the geekiness of the numbers of photography and then actually cr- using it to be creative. I think that's a, it's a wonderful thing. And I'm, you know what? And I'm sure most of us are doing that. You know, I don't think that that's a unique thing, but it's one of those things like, you know, you lift up something you're like, wow, I never really noticed that. I never really, really paid attention, like how much underlying, uh, n- numbers are in what we have to do as compared to some other arts, you know? where it is more, perhaps more by feel, like, uh, you know, let's say pottery, you know, or certain sculpture is, is really uh, not worried about uh, all of the, uh, the physics of something. But uh, again, I'm, you know, there are arts that require as many numbers as photography, but I was just really, I, you know, again, it was this, it was watching the students puzzling over it and really trying to have to figure this thing out. Like, you know, I mean, I'm going to end this in a second, but like, you know, if you think about it, the idea of the aperture where the higher numbers in the aperture require are like the smaller, the smaller openings. It's almost this, this contradiction. And we accept this, right? You know, we've accepted it because we, we, we know that that's how it started this number. And there's a real, you know, if you know the relationship of the F numbers, uh, to the focal length, you understand why there's these these numbers exist, but to someone who's learning for the first time, it makes no sense whatsoever. It, it really is almost almost like learning a different language. It might even be m- more difficult than that because you, you're you're still using a part of your brain to to logically figure this out, and it still doesn't make sense. So that's why I came up with this. I was just you know really looking at them and and realizing, wow, you know, 
being dropped into a class and having to learn these numbers and like, do, do you really have to learn them? You know, I get that idea. Like, can I just like drive the car? <laughs> can I just get in the McLaren and drive it, you know, 180 miles an hour? It's like, no, you got to learn these things. If you're going to take control, you got to learn, you know, you got this Canon camera and you want to create, you know, a uh, good event photography pictures. You're going to need to understand depth of field. And so you're going to understand guide numbers. You have to, I mean, your boss is telling you to do this. You're going to have to understand things. No matter how much you set your camera up on automatic, you still have to figure these things out. So, yeah, you're not going to drive that McLaren without first learning how to drive the Volkswagen Bug and take advantage of that and figure out all the things that are going on. Then you can work your way up to it. And, yeah, you can work fast at it, you know, but don't really expect to sit in the McLaren and start, you know, immediately figuring out how to use it to its full advantage and take, you know, take it around the course at, at its highest speed. That's not going to happen. You know, maybe some people can figure it out, but you know, like me, when I picked up, I I'm pretty savvy with cameras and, you know, I was picking up this 70 D Mark two, if I'm correct in that designation, you know, and if I, in five minutes, I, I was looking at it, I'm like, I don't know where these things are. They can figure out some things, but you know, I need to sit down with a manual or someone to show me how to use the camera. And, you know, because I've got knowledge in my background, I could easily, then I can figure it out. Like, oh, well, that's how you set the aperture. So, you know, and then multiple redoings of it will burn it into my memory and I'll be able to use it. But someone really, wow, you know, drop, in, drop out of the sky, right? Brand new, you know, camera, you know, thousand, couple thousand dollar camera, uh, pressure of a job telling you that you need to, to, to learn it. And then, you know, a six hour class, which half of it's devoted to equipment and a generic kind of discussion of equipment. You know, the next, the second half is devoted to uh, composition and try to learn how to make a better picture. Thank you, Unsplash, for all those pictures of composition. But anyway, it's a lot to ask someone. And so, yeah, uh, our art in, is involved with actually using both sides of the brain, the left and right, learning the numbers and understanding what that means. And and uh, learning how to uh, take those numbers and, and be very creative. So anyway, it was something I noticed. If you notice it too, or you got something to say about it, hey, I'd like to hear more from you. So, and I just want to, so that's it about numbers. And, and before I end, uh, yeah, well, actually pretty decent length show. I, I want to acknowledge a passing, and that is uh, for 40 years, uh, there has been a uh, photography trade magazine called Photo District News. And I just heard the news, actually heard it a couple of weeks ago, and then it popped up in the news this week that they're shutting their doors. Uh, they're no longer going to be publishing. Now, I heard I haven't been following the story, you know, until I heard about it a couple of days ago. I don't know if anything's changed. It didn't seem like things were changing. It seemed like, and they, you know, it's a print magazine, so that kind of makes sense because a lot of print magazines are, going the wayside but um this is a magazine it started in 19 well 40 years 20 so it's 1980 and i probably started getting uh, involved with it in the mm, involved with it but like under like knowing that it existed let me think about this uh i graduated school 86 so and I was working at the photo agency in 84. So around that time, 84, 86, I, I probably started knowing about that magazine. 
Uh, and when it came out, it was a very large magazine. It was like ta- not tab, well, tabloid size. It was it was large, which was great because it meant that they printed their pictures pretty large. And you know, at some point, they were like it was kind of a newsprinty magazine, and then it went to the glossy. It was kind of I used to collect them. You know how I used to collect uh, National Geographic. I would collect the photo district news. Uh, I wouldn't read them all the time. I would just I would collect them, thinking I would read them. Um, so yeah, for forty years, this this magazine, this trade magazine, uh, was uh, in you know printing for a while and 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 teaching us, telling us about photography. It was really more oriented towards the business of photography, hence the name Photo District News. It was also kind of New York centric in a way, but you know it's called Photo District News. The area in the in New York City, which was around Fifth Avenue in the twenties. Between Fifth Avenue and Sixth Avenue or Broadway, uh, you know, there was a lot of photo studios around there and a lot of photo labs. And so it was called the Photo District. So I guess that's where they're getting their name from. So yeah, it makes sense that they were kind of biased towards New Yorkish. I mean, there's you know big photo industry here, but it wasn't only about New York. You know, they talked about other photographers in other places. And Sometime in the uh, in the get the dates wrong. Uh, don't quote me in the dates, but probably like the early nineties, maybe late eighties, early nineties. Uh, I got interviewed by one of the writers at uh, Photo District News for, and I'm doing this with air quotes for my pioneering digital work. It's funny now to say it, but I was. Uh, Back then, what I was doing uh, was submitting my pictures to uh, the Image Bank stock uh, photo library. And amongst all the pictures I was doing, I was doing a lot of uh, computer graphics. And really what I was doing was creating uh, graphics on my, here's a, here's a geek out here, my Commodore Amiga computer. And actually, I, I had a Commodore Amiga that also emulated a Macintosh. So I was doing Mac stuff and, and uh, uh, Amiga stuff on the same machine. It was cool. But uh, the way it worked for me then was in order for me to get an image from the computer to, uh, to be able to submit it to the stock library, I had to actually take a photograph of it using a slide film. And with a lot of experimentation, came out with a way to do it and, and help with actually from other photographers, a couple of other photographers who were doing the same thing, uh, came up with a method to shoot off the screen, uh, in the very low res, by the way, <laughs> you know, somewhere I, I got some of those pictures somewhere in a couple of boxes. Uh, I look at them, it's a little laughable, but, uh, so what I was doing was, uh, not using Photoshop, but I was using, um, cause Photoshop wasn't available on the Amiga but I was creating graphics, like 3D graphics, you know, kind of pointless things. But, you know, computer graphics was new then, you know. So anything you were coming up with, like a, you know, a s- mirrored sphere on a checkered, you know, um, whatever field. And you could see all this stuff. This was all new stuff. So it was brand new. And so I, I'm doing that. And that's why I, I did pioneering uh, in a way. But I, I might have been one of the, f- you know small group of people who was doing this stuff. So somehow PDN recognized the, what I was doing and, and they interviewed me. And I, I don't have the article nearby and hopefully I'll find it and dig it out and maybe read some of it to you. And I, I don't think it was, a, I don't know if it was a full article. Or it was part of some other 
with a couple of other people. But anyway, uh, I was really excited. Like I'd never gotten interviewed before. And it was really funny to read my words, like how I had said them to the writer. And then he didn't twist them, but like he polished them and got them so that, you know, they were readable. I was like, wow, I sound really smart. So I was really, really excited by that. Uh, so that was my one, one time I got published in PDN. And I kind of always wanted to get published again because I always liked the magazine. And I always thought, you know, it went to my peers, uh, you know, people would read it. And people had a lot of criticism about PDN. And, and you know, uh, rightfully so in some cases. I, I don't know. I didn't want to, I didn't really get involved with it. And actually I knew some people who had worked at the Image Bank who then went on to work at, became like the head of PDN and whatnot. Uh, so it was a, like a tight little group. Uh, and I I haven't been subscribing until I, I, I think I lapsed my subscription I wasn't doing a print subscription. I was doing their digital one because I was really getting, I don't have room to store the magazines and I actually like reading them on my iPad. Uh, a couple of years ago, I think I let it lapse um, mainly because it's just, you know, at this point there's so much information. There's just so much stuff coming for But so they're folding up and they're, uh, you know, there's been other photo magazines that are folded up. They're probably all, a lot of them are folding. Nobody's, you know, who's doing print anymore? And it's so expensive to do. Uh, but for some reason, this one, this one feels a little harder to lose. Yeah. You know what? And it's my fault too. Cause you know, I let my subscription lapse, but, and I also see that this is the way the world is going and there's, you know, so many other websites where you're getting this information. But I think I liked what I liked about PDN was like it, it had a kind of a single focus. You know, it wasn't, um, I want to say it wasn't aimed for an amateur market. And I'm not, again, nothing wrong with that. But like at a certain point, like I don't want to read about how to set up a tripod and stuff like that. I really want to, it was really more about, uh, you know, going back to the numbers thing, it was more about the, um, I think it spent more time not about the how to make the pictures, but the, the behind, who was behind the picture making, you know, great interviews with the different photographers, talk about jobs that they got, where they were doing things, what was going on. You know, it was really in-depth interviews. And so, yeah, they did have the how-to things and the equipment reviews and stuff like that, like they should, you know, it's a, it's a trade photography magazine. But they were doing, it was something a little different. And and I don't really see a single place on the internet that has that. I mean, a lot of the, the websites, you know, Petapixel and you know, F stoppers, they're catering to a whole bunch of different subjects and that's fine. But, you know, at some point it becomes sort of an overwhelming amount of information to have to take in. And the nice thing about PDN was it really just focused on like the business of photography, you know? So, um, I'm going to miss it. I'm sorry. I didn't, I, I'm sorry. I didn't really help it out more by subscribing, but you know, I really found myself not, not really reading it as much anymore. So this is sort of like the thing, the way things are happening. And, uh, you know, I have to own up to my part of not, you know, making it work better. But PDN is also probably finding themselves in a place where it's the world is not different. You know, the photo district is not necessarily the photo district anymore. You know, I'll go into that neighborhood. There aren't a ton of labs anymore. There's one. You know, I think uh, the Dugal is still around. There might be another lab in that area. There are probably a few tucked away, but there's certainly not, you know, as many. And I really don't know how many photographers have studios there. It became so expensive, so expensive to, to hold a studio. 
uh, especially in that area in New York City. This could be some of the most expensive real estate in the city. Uh, and photography business, I can't believe, would be the same where a photographer could make as much money to maintain a studio, unless they bought it, you know, in the 70s or something like that, and they own it. So I don't think the photo district really is the same anymore or even exists. So I guess I shouldn't be too surprised that photo district news is uh, is is folding up. So, But I do want to acknowledge it. It was some part of my growing up in the photo business. And, and yeah, you know, I, when I read it, I did read it, and I learned a lot from it and uh, enjoyed it a lot. So, you know, here's hoping that maybe they'll come back in a different form uh, at some point. Maybe the people who are working there might start something new. I don't know. But uh, I'm sorry for all the people who are working there who are, uh, if, if it indeed is going to close, they're going to lose their um you know, there are jobs there, and uh, that's a tough thing, uh, and maybe go on and start something new. But anyway, I wanted to acknowledge that uh, in, in, in this show. Anyway, thanks for, uh, thanks for hanging with me. Uh, I wanted to get into the, uh, uh, the quotes at the beginning. The quotes are from Prince and Plato, of all people. Actually, a very interesting combination. If those two people ever got together in the uh, hereafter, I wonder what kind of conversation they'd have. So uh, thanks for joining me. You can find the show notes for this episode and all other Street Shot episodes at streetshots.photography. Not all the episodes are up there yet. You can still find them on the Podbean page. But, uh, of course, you could find me on Twitter and Instagram at amrosario and Flickr at amrosario. And on Facebook as uh, Rosario Photo and still Switch to Manual. I post there a couple times. But you can also find me with my fellow brothers in light over at the Unusual Collective. And you can go check out the site at unusualcollective.photography. And, of course, I'd love to plug my fellow Unusuals podcasts. So uh, Mac and uh, his Shutter Time, Mac and his wife, the first, the first couple of photography. I love listening to their shows in the morning. They make me smile. Uh, Dave Swiduck and his Adventures in Creativity podcast. Go check him out if you need inspiration. I need it all the time, and I'm really happy he's uh, doing that show. And it looks like it's taken off. So uh, go su subscribe to uh, Adventures in Creativity. And finally, Brian Minear and his show, We the Creators, his great discussions and interviews with his friends and creators. Uh, very inspiring. So go check them all out. And if you do like my show, you can send me some exposure bucks by going to uh, iTunes and rating and reviewing the show. And, uh, you know, let all your friends know about it. And uh, if you want to drop me a line on the new website, there's a link to do that. And uh, let me know what I'm doing and how I can do it better. I do appreciate all feedback and I'm listening to it. And uh, got any suggestions for topics or photographers you'd want me to hear about, just let me know. And... Uh, yeah, at some point, uh, I do have a Patreon account that I would like to uh, uh, offer if, if there's anybody who wants to support the show. Uh, I'll, I'll hear more about that maybe by the next episode. I'll have more information about it. But uh, yes, I do say this is a, a labor of love, and it would be great to um, uh, you know to have some of you guys help produce the show because <laughs> it does become a little bit of a burden. Uh, but I'll hear more about that the uh, you know, next time. And, uh, I like the idea of Patreon. I'm not sure what kind of, uh, you know, benefits to get, but I got some, I got some ideas. So, uh, you know, I might put up with the Patreon link in the next, uh, 
couple of months and see what happens. And finally, the Street Shots theme music, which I love so much, is uh, written and produced by Phyllis Audio. So you can hear more about the creative genius at Phyllis Audio uh, at phyllisaudio.com. That's P-H-Y-L-L-I-S audio.com. Hey, and until next time, uh, keep shooting and working at it. What You know what? I'm going to drop this outro part because, you know, it, you know what? It doesn't feel like me. And so I'm going to kind of stop doing the same words that I've been doing. I don't even know where I got it from, but right now I'm not feeling it's me. So I'm going to leave it. If you're expecting the, the way I, they ended the show lately, it's going to change. I'll figure something out. When I come up with something new, I'll let you guys know. So, you know what? Until then, I'll see you in a couple of weeks and have a great, uh, yeah, have a great February. Uh, see you later. Bye.